0: you know, changing us. That's what God wants to do. God wants to change all of us. How many of you that are here this morning, you can think of at least one area in your life that needs to change? At least one. Uh, How many of you are like me? You can think of at least 58 areas in your life where you need to change? And, you know, God is so good about doing that, and he's actually got a plan, a transformative plan to change each of our lives, and he's going to do his part, but he's looking for us to be cooperative. Now, I want you to think about something before we get into today's talk, and that is, what if you had the opportunity to hear, like, the world's best advice on a topic that you were very interested in? Maybe it was an area that you wanted to develop in your life. Maybe it's an area that you wanted to change. Maybe it's something that you wanted to learn. Maybe if you wanted to know more about managing money, that you would hear like the authority on managing money. If it was a hobby that you wanted, or a sport that you wanted to learn, or some kind of strategy, and you had the opportunity to go to a conference, to go to a setting, and you could hear the wisest, most knowledgeable advice on that particular area. What would it be like if you had the opportunity, the privilege to go there, and you went there and you heard it, and as you walked away, from the conference, this was what your thought was. Your thought was, man, that was so good, and I heard that, and I understand that, and I agree with that, and I believe that the things that I've heard could be changing, life-changing for me in this dominion of my life, and you had all of those thoughts, and yet you never, never implemented any advice that you had heard, then your life would remain the same. There would be no changes. There would be nothing different you may have received the very best advice on that particular subject, agreed, concurred, just said, hey, I'm with it. I believe it even. But then you never did anything with it. And I think about that because as Christ followers, we do that all of the time. We do it more than we care to admit. We have the word of God. We have the wisdom of God. We have the teachings of Jesus. And it will change our life. And it will transform us all for the good. And we've got it. And a lot of times what we do is we read it and we study it and we understand it and we agree with it. We even adopt it as part of our own moral constitution, our core values spiritually. But then we never live it out. We never do anything with it. And Jesus talked about this. He talked about a person that is very, very wise and a person that is very foolish. Now in just a moment, we're going to go back into our series. You heard it mentioned in the video announcement. We're still in this series out of James. Man, there is so much wisdom, practical wisdom that James, the brother of Jesus gives to us. And we're going right back into that, and we're going to look at a parallel passage. But just before we go there, I want to read to you. They're not going to be on the screen. I want to read to you a few verses out of Matthew chapter 7, and I want you to listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said this, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and, listen to the next part, and puts them into practice is like a wise person. They hear it but they put it into practice. They're like a wise person, Jesus said, who built their house on the rock. And then he tells us some of the calamities that could potentially come, the real potential for storms. He said, the rain came down the streams, rose, and the wind blew, and beat against that house, beat against that person's life. He is saying, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Jesus is talking about now uh, those who hear the word, the words of Jesus, and put the words of Jesus into practice. And Jesus said, That is a very wise person. And when the storms and calamities of life come, that person will not crumble, but they will stand strong because their foundation is secure. But then he provides in the remaining two verses the antithesis. He said, but everyone who hears these words of mine, he's already said that, but here's where there's an alteration and does not put them into practice. They do not. Jesus said that is a foolish person. Just like the former person they hear, former person puts it into practice, this person does not. And Jesus said, this is a very foolish person who built their house, not on a strong foundation, but on sand. And then he echoes what he just mentioned in verse 25, the rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. And that house and that life, it fell with a great crash. There was a contrast. One person listened and put it into practice. The second person listened but did not put it into practice. We're in this practical wisdom giving book for this message series. And what James says in chapter one is extremely comparable to what Jesus says in Matthew seven, what you just heard. I want you now to go with me. You're gonna see it on the screen to James, James chapter one. Do not forget that James is actually the brother of Jesus. It's a very similar uh, idea that he expresses here. And I want you to look at it on the screen, beginning at verse 22. He said, do not merely, what's the word here? Listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Read these next four words with me, everybody. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But that man who looks, but that man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom And continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard. Read the next three words with me, everybody, the next three. But doing it, and then now let's read the rest of the verse. He will be blessed in what he does. There's a New Testament theologian. His name is RVG Tasker. And he's talking about this phenomenal New Testament book, this wisdom-giving, practical life book in the New Testament, James, that we've been spending our time and attention on because it speaks to the reality of life. And this is what Tasker says about the book of James. He says, this book teaches us that Christianity is essentially a life to be lived. It is not about facts gathering. It is not about information. It is not about knowledge. James is actually teaching us a faith that works. He's teaching us how to live a Christian life that really, really works. A life that all of us, if we were wise, would want to live. And I want to spend some time along this line of thinking for the next few moments that we have together. A number of years ago, I picked up a book, and it was a difficult book for me to read. In fact, I was tempted on occasion to put it down, not because I did not... Uh, agree with the ideas and concepts that were found therein. It was just a very heady book for me. It was not an easy read. I could not read large portions of it at the time. So I, I read it in bite-sized pieces. Now this is not too complex. What what is written here? The name of the book, if you ever want to pick it up, and I would suggest that you do at some point, is called "How People Grow." It's talking about spiritual growth and formation. It was written by Dr. John Townsend and Dr. Henry Cloud. Perhaps you've heard those names because they've written, you know, the books that you've read about boundaries, boundaries in marriage, boundaries in datings, and boundaries in life, etc. Townsend is writing this particular portion and he said, what often happens is that we accept Christ because of our brokenness and then we live our Christian lives as if we were whole. He adds, although we have God dwelling inside of us, we all have, listen to this, unfinished parts that need to become mature and sanctified. And I'll just give you a a very brief understanding of sanctification or sanctified. Anytime you hear that word, and sometimes you'll hear it in church settings, it basically means progressively becoming more like Jesus conceptually think of a ladder that you're just climbing you don't go from immaturity spiritually to like extreme maturity spiritually it is it is a progress and sanctification and spiritual growth and spiritual maturity is always a process and townsend is right he says there's broken parts of us and we come to jesus and our soul is redeemed and we are ready for heaven but it does not automatically eradicate these broken parts that all of us have in our lives and all of us do And they're not all the same. What is broken in your life may be healthy in my life. What is broken in my life may be healthy in yours. What you may struggle with, I may never struggle with at all. But what I struggle with, you'd say, you're kidding. That causes you to be tripped up on occasion. We're all different. And we all have broken parts. We are redeemed. We come to Jesus out of our brokenness, but we are words in progress. Our lives are still under construction. And again, our challenges are not all the same. Maybe some of you in this room, you struggle with pride. For others of you, it may be insecurity. For us, it could be jealousy. It could be that we, we express judgmentalism. It could be that we're envious. It could be that we're filled with lust or we retaliate. We think in terms of retaliation and revenge. It could be that our stumbling block is fear. It could be that the thing that trips us up is anger. It could be that we struggle with gossip or we're not always good about truth-telling. We lie. All of us struggle. And if you're here today and you would say, you know, I don't struggle with those things or anything. In fact, I don't see any changes that I could see see God bring about in my life, I think my life is about as good as a life could get, then I have some descriptive terms for you. And I mentioned some, pride, deception, lying, a lack of self-awareness. We are all broken. We all have areas in our life that are under construction. And when you and I become a follower of Jesus, we did not immediately become mature and and, uh, sanctified as it were spiritually. I don't know if you ever struggle with this, but for any of you that have been following Jesus for 10 years or longer, maybe you have these thoughts as I do from time to time. I've had these conversations with Jesus many times where I've said something like this. It just seems, Jesus, that after this many years of following you, I would be done with all my struggles that I would have no weaknesses, that there would be nothing that would trip me up anymore. I don't know how that it is operative in your life, but I can tell you in my life, it just seems that this is an ongoing story, that it's like God is bringing deep conviction into my life about something that he wants to repair and fix, a brokenness in me. And with God's help, I cooperate with that. And it seems like I go from point A to point B and point C and I grow and it's no longer the frustrating child that it once was for me. It's like, God, I finally feel strong in this area and I feel good about that. And God said, that is good. But what about this area? And it's all, it's, and, and it's not condemning. It's not condemning. It's because God is loving. In fact, the Bible says he is patient with us that he is slow to become angry and that he is abounding in great mercy and that when he does become angry with us because on occasion obviously God does that he does not remain angry with us forever because he understands that we all have broken parts in our life. He understands that all of us are under construction. So what happens, going back to this idea, when James is talking about, and he's really saying you can take one of two paths. You can be a hearer, and you can just hear the words of God and the wisdom of God and the teachings of Jesus. You can hear it, and you can pursue that path, and you may agree with it. You may understand it. You may read it. You may study it, but you never do it. Or he said, for those who want to take the right path, You can be a doer of the word. You want to do more than just hear it. And according to James, we all have that that choice. We can merely listen or we can obey. We have a choice. You see, one of the beautiful gifts that God has given to all of us is a free will. The opportunity to make our own decisions. You see, if God forced you to worship him, would that be true worship? If God forced you to serve you, would that be true service? Service. If God forced you to be a devoted follower of his, would that be like a conscious uh, a decision that we made out of our own awareness? It would not. God has given to us the gift of a free individual will, so we can choose. All of us can do this. We can choose to just listen to the word and not act upon it. In fact, there are two types, really, and I hope the second group I'm going to mention is much, much larger than this first group I'm going to mention. There are some of you that will leave this place today, and in your mind, you will say, you know what? I agree with what he said. I agree with those scriptures. Fundamentally, I don't have any disparity between what he said and what I heard. In fact, I understood it, and I agree with it, and I believe it. But you know deep down in your heart that you're not going to do anything about it. You're going to just keep living your life the way you want to live your life because to change is not something that you really want to do because for you to change, it would pull you away from something that you're not ready to give up yet. Others of you, for you, you're like, you know what? Bring it on. Bring it on. And you don't say it egotistically. You don't say it sanctimoniously. It is just this idea that I want to understand more and more about what God's will and purpose for my life is, God's word for my life. And I want to do more than just hear it. I want to do it. I want to obey it. Here's a rhetorical question for all of us. What do you think should be more desirable? And the answer is obvious, but let me just give it to you anyhow. Is it more desirable to know a lot about the Bible, but to simply have it stop at the knowledge level? In other words, there's little or no activity or reaction to it. You just, you know, you just know it. Your head is filled with knowledge. I want to ask you a question. Do you know anybody like this? And if they happen to be in the room or seated near you, please do not point at them. Don't even try to give me a hint and say, you know, don't. But do you know anybody, anybody that they know a lot about the Bible? They're just not putting into practice what they know about the Bible. I mean, they may be able to answer complex biblical questions that other people would struggle with. In terms of having Bible knowledge, I mean, they get an A-plus in terms of obedience while things are not as bright. They know a lot about the Bible. In fact, you've heard me say this before. There are a lot of people in a lot of churches, and they are just simply educated well beyond, biblically speaking, their level of obedience. John Orberg wrote a number of years ago a book called The Life You've Always Wanted, and in it he says this. He said, take any person you know, listen to this carefully, take any person you know whose knowledge of the Bible is, say, 10 times greater than the average unchurched person, then ask yourself if this person is 10 times more loving. Are they 10 times more patient? Are they 10 times more joyful than the average unchurched person? And then he writes this. He says, Knowledge about the Bible is an indispensable good, but knowledge does not by itself lead to spiritual transformation. And that is so true. So, what is a more desirable option to just say, you know what, I know a lot about the Bible? You know, my knowledge, I'll just match wits with anybody in terms of biblical reality, but I don't really intend to put it into practice. Is that desirable? Absolutely not. Is it more, uh, you know, more desirable to say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to learn the teachings of the Bible. I want to know the wisdom of God. I want to know the Word of God. I want to know the teachings of Jesus. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a vigilant effort in my life to apply it personally. And I think all of us know what the better answer to that question would be. It's important for us to know that when James here in chapter 1 uses this word hearers, he's talking about, again, he's pointing to two pathways. And he says, you can either be a hearer or you can be a hearer and a doer. And when he uses in chapter one, this word hearers, he actually used it intentionally because he was alluding to a group of people that James was quite familiar with who made it an ongoing practice to listen to lectures and messages from the Bible, but they never became real disciples. They never had any intention of becoming a real disciple. They wanted to just have information in their brain. They wanted to be a hearer. They wanted to be able to respond appropriately to the questions, but they did not really want to become a disciple, not deep down. They were so unlike what we find among those in Exodus 24 and verse 3. Look at this verse up on the screen. It says, when Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and all of his laws, they responded with one voice, everything the Lord has said we will do. And friends, I'm just telling you, that's where you and I, I mean, if we really want to live the kind of life that God, the best life, the best possible life that we could ever live to be centered in the will and purpose of God for our life, to know a life of freedom and joy and contentment, it is to embrace the word of God and the will of God and the wisdom of God and the teachings of Jesus, just as they did here and said, whatever he says, we will do. And a lot of times we think that we're doing that when we are really not. You see, here's what is a little bit frightening. Here's what we are all capable of. We are all capable of self-deception, where we say to ourselves. in fact, we say it so many times that we start to believe it. Have you ever known, and I do not say this disparagingly, but I've known, and possibly you have known people, that they know that what they're saying is not true. You know that they are not telling the truth, but they just say it so many times that eventually they believe that it's true. And we can do this. We can repeatedly say to ourselves, I'm living the Christian life. I'm living the Christian life. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm living the Christian life and be so self-deceived because we are not. It's a very important phrase found in verse 25 right here in James chapter 1. James makes reference to, listen to this now. He makes reference to the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. Now, that does not seem congruent at all. That just seems that that is contrasting, that how can you, how can you really live intently and look into the perfect law, and in so doing, that's going to bring freedom. How can the law bring freedom? It seems as though that it would bring us to a place of bondage. I want to return for just a moment to the first book that I mentioned, the one by Cloud and Townsend, and you're going to see this paragraph up on the screen. It's out of that book I mentioned, How People Grow. This time, it's not Townsend writing, but Dr. Henry Cloud, and this is what he said. He said, spiritual growth should affect relationship problems, emotional problems, and all other problems of life, and he tells us why. He said, because there is no such thing as our spiritual life and then our real life, It is all one. It's not just what we say we believe. It is how are we living. And it's not, as James would say, just being a hearer. It is being a hearer, but one who is also a doer. Please engrave this into your thinking. Being in relationship with Jesus, and it goes back to what this looking intently into the perfect law, and that, as James said in verse 25, is going to bring freedom. A lot of times we, we think, well, you know what? Being in relationship with Jesus, you know... That's going to be so restrictive in my life. It's going to cut off my pathways to some things I really want to do that may not, in fact, be, you know, a part of what God wants me to do with my life. But being in a relationship with Jesus does not bring, listen, friends, It does not bring bondage and captivity. Every time Jesus moves, he moves by bringing about liberation and freedom. How is it? Listen, this is so important. This is so important. You've got to hear this. How is it that we end up in bondage? We always end up in bondage. We always end up as a slave. We always end up as a prisoner to sin because we ignore or reject his teachings and the wise guidance of God's words, and we live our life on our own terms. Because we say, you know what, I know, and all of us have done this. I've done this. You've done this. We all say, I know what God really wants me to do. I know what Jesus teaches. I know what the wisdom of God is in this situation. But you know what, I don't really want to do it God's way. I want to do it my way. And we're driven by our own selfish impulses. We're driven by our own selfishness. We're driven by our own, our own desire to sin. And this is what we think. We think, you know what? I, you know, I, I feel restricted. I feel sort of boxed in. And, and I don't know that I, I really want that. And then we think, well, you know, and we may not even be as brazen as to stay, step way outside of the line, but we may step over the line enough to where we think it's going to bring us freedom. But in actuality, what it does is it brings us bondage. And it is not joyful. It is ruinous. It is not something that brings us contentment. It is something that brings us frustration. And we do not feel this freedom that we thought, because we thought if I step over the line, I'm going to be free. But when we step over the line, it was not freedom that we embraced. It was instead bondage and captivity in slavery we were a prisoner think of this image it is the image of a convicted criminal in a courtroom and they thought that they could live above the law but now they're in chains now they're a prisoner but what if we don't do it that way? What if instead we live God's way? What if we were to really be not just a hearer, as James says, but also a doer? What if we follow the teachings of Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus said, not just somebody that hears, but puts it into practice. What if we really do it God's way? Take a look at what the apostle Paul says in Romans 8, 2. He says this, for the law of the spirit which, reads the, read these three words with me, which does what? Which brings us life. The law of the Spirit, which brings us life in union with Christ Jesus has, read these next three, has done what? Has set me free from the law of sin and of death. It is not bondage. It is not slavery. It is not captivity. It is not hemming him me in. It is what actually brings me life and freedom in Jesus, which is really the life that I want to live. Check out what Jesus said to his own followers in John chapter eight. So Jesus said to those who believed in him, If you what's that word? If you if you obey my teaching, you are really my if so let's do a timeout right here. This is very important. I don't want to blow by these two verses. Jesus made it very, very plain. This is the same Jesus that said in Matthew 7. If you want to have a life built on a firm foundation, you can. Or you can have a life that is built on sand. You make the decision. You can either hear my words and put them into practice. And when all you know all manner of calamity and, and destructive things come against your life, you know what? You're going to stand strong because you embrace my words. You were a doer of my word. Or you can have an alternative life, a life that is you know, not going to stand. Your life is going to be built on sand because you heard the word, but you did not put it into practice. And Jesus is now saying, this is the same Jesus. And now he said, if you obey my teaching, you really are my disciple. Now let's flip that over for just a moment. So what if I do not obey the teachings of Jesus? I mean, think about it. And. You, you can speak out if you'd like, all right? So if Jesus said, if I obey his teachings, I really am his disciples, but what if I do not obey his teaching? What does that mean? Then I'm not really his disciples. And again, that's where this whole self-deception, I keep telling myself I'm a disciple. I keep telling myself that I'm living the Christian life. I keep telling myself that I'm free when I am not free. But Jesus said, you obey my teaching, you're really my disciple, and you're going to know the truth, and the truth will do what? It will set you free. There are many people who say, you know what? I can never become a Christian because I just, you know, I like all this freedom, but they do not know freedom. Listen, I talk to people like that all the time. Some of the most, can I just tell you this? Some of the most miserable people I talk to are on a quest for freedom that is absence of the reality of Jesus and his word and teachings in their life. Does that make sense to anybody in this room right here, right now? They're on a quest for freedom. And they think, I don't want any restriction. I don't want anything. I don't want anybody telling me what to do, including God, because I want to be free. And they are the most enslaved, miserable people that I know they are many people who are Christians say, "You know what, I cannot seriously embrace the teachings of the Bible, because if I do, it may cut off something in my life that I really want to be a part of my life. Oh, I'm a disciple, you know, I really, I really love God, I understand the Bible, I read the Bible, I listen to the Bible, I come to church, but you know, I don't want to embrace all the teachings I'm going to pick and choose. So like when we go to a restaurant, a buffet maybe, and we just say, I'll take this, and I'll take some of this. No, I don't want that. No, I don't want that. No, I don't want that. You know what the understanding of Jesus is? The fundamental understanding of Jesus, we're either all in or we're not. And I know that he is growing us. I know that we're all, as we talked about, have these unbroken parts. It's not that, you know, we reach a point of perfection or sinlessness because that is impossible, but we are growing, we are passionate about becoming the people, the disciples that Jesus intended for us to be. So if we want to grow if we want our life to be continually changed for the good, if we want to access the greatest wisdom that has ever been known to mankind, then there is no secret as to the source of this reality. In fact, look at this verse up on the screen, Psalm 19.7. Psalm 19.7 says this, the law of the Lord is what? God's word is what? Perfect. He gives new what? strength. The commands of the Lord are trustworthy, giving wisdom to those who lack it. Guys, keep that verse up there for just a moment because I want to ask you a question right out of this verse. Is there anybody in this room that could use a little wisdom and strength in your life? And where do you go? If you go to the Bible. You go to the words of God. You go to the wisdom of God. You go to the teachings of Jesus. If you want strength, the Bible tells us where we can find strength. If we want wisdom, God's wisdom, the Bible tells us where we can find it. I want to give you two words before we're done. All right? Only take me a moment. Two words before we're done, and if you don't think that you can remember them, they're quite simple, but if you don't think you can remember them, then maybe you just want to mark them down somewhere. Here's the first word. The first word is consistency, consistency. How many of you know that there are certain things that we consistently do day after day? And I really want you to talk with me here, and I'm going to sort of block out these lights so I can see you a little bit better. I mean, what are some of the things, speak to me, that we do consistently? We do it every day. Talk to me, and I'll have to sort it out because more than one will speak at a time. What do we do every single day? Somebody speak to me. We get up? Okay, that's a good thing. How many of you know your day is going to be a good day when you get up? What is the alternative? All right? So we cons- consistently get up every day. What's another thing that we do consistently? We eat. How many of you, you eat most every day? You do that consistently. What else do we do consistently? Say that, fall, did somebody say sleep, fall asleep? We fall asleep. Hopefully not in this service, but at night. We, we get up, we eat, we sleep. What else do we do consistently? We pray. Hopefully we're praying. Um, we go to work consistently, school's in session, we go to school, we wash up, we take, take a bath, we take a shower, we go out in the yard, and spray ourselves down with a hose, we do something. And how many of you are glad that your neighbor did that this morning, by the way? How many of you are just glad that your neighbor, you just feel it was the will of God and you're thankful they brushed their teeth before they came to church today? And these are things that we do consistently. But you take the most important, you think about it, the most important thing that we could ever do that has eternal implications that can bring us the peace and joy and contentment and fulfillment and blessed life that God really wants us to have, and that is getting into the Bible consistently. And you know what I hear Christians say all of the time? I hear them say all the time, but I don't have time to do that. I don't have time to do that consistently. Oh, I've got time to eat and sleep and do, and go to work and all these other things. I can do these things consistently, but I don't have the time. And, and it's almost like I've picked up on this attitude sometimes. It's almost like, now you got the time to do it because that's what you do professionally. In fact, you know, truth be told, Pastor Jeff, they don't say it like this. You are paid to read the Bible. As though they think, you know, all you ever do with your whole life is read the Bible and prepare talks out of the Bible. You don't do anything else. And, you know, that's what you're you're paid to do. But the reality is, you know what I know? And you know this to be true. We all do, let me say it this way. We all find the time to do the things that we really want to do. If you really, listen, if you really want to do something, you will make the time to do it. And you'll become consistent at it. Let me challenge your thought on that. I don't have time. Maybe you're one of those. I don't have time. I'm really busy. You have time to watch TV? How much time do you spend watching TV every day? I don't have time. I really... You know, I, I, I agree with you. I know that I need to be consistent. in the I don't have time. I'm, I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. How much time how much time do you spend on Facebook every day? <laughs> Ushers lock the doors. It's getting serious in here. <laughs> lock the door. We all do what we really. Want to do? Let me just read this real quickly. Our primary task. This is back, back to the Ortberg uh, book, "The Life You've Always Wanted." Our primary task is not to calculate how many verses of Scripture we read or how many minutes we spend in prayer. Our task is to use these activities to create opportunities for God to work. And when you and I are in His Word consistently, we're giving God opportunity to work. Let me give you a second final word. First word: consistently. Consistency. Second word: obedience. We're not robots. We do have a choice. We can be a hearer or we can be a doer. Warren Wiersbe has written this. I really like it a lot. He said, too many Christians mark their Bibles, but their Bibles never mark them. And shame says it. Two paths. You've got a choice. You've got a free will. You can be obedient or disobedient. You can hear it. And leave it at that, or you can do it. And James says, you want to be a doer. And friends, really, being a doer is not an overwhelming and demoralizing task. It is the best thing that we could do. Consistency and obedience. And I'll leave you with one. Last verse. In fact, it's just a portion of a verse. The last part, the B part of verse 25, when James tells us this, but doing it. Again, he's not talking about just being a hearer, but doing it. James says for those people, they will be blessed in what they do. A blessed life is not the life of a hearer only. The blessed life is somebody who hears it and does it. Jesus said, "That's a wise person." And when the pressures of life come bearing down, that person will not crumble; they will stand. You want strength? You want wisdom? Consistency and obedience. Would you stand for a closing prayer, everybody? Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes, everybody? And maybe, maybe this has really resonated with you today. Maybe you are saying, "You know what." I do want to become serious. Jesus said that if I obey his teachings, I really am his disciple. Am I obeying the teachings of Jesus? Am I following the word of God? Am I consistently into the book that will change my life at my eternity? Am I obeying? Am I living it out? Am I embracing it? Am I really a disciple? I don't want to be self-delusional. I don't want to think or pretend to be something that I am not. And God, I just pray that in these moments that this will be a church that is filled with not just people who hear, but we do. We put it into practice. We live it out. Tasker is right. The book of James is about teaching us how to live Christianity. How to live a real Christian life, a faith that works. And that's what we want to do. So help us with that. And while your heads are still bowed and your eyes are closed, if you're here today and you just say, you know, Pastor Jeff, I'm not in a relationship with Jesus. I don't even know what I believe about Jesus. I don't know what I even believe yet about the Bible. But I believe that what you're telling me is true. And I really want to be a disciple of Jesus. I really want to follow him. And I know that I've messed up. I've messed up a million times. But I want to invite Christ into my life. I want him to become my savior, my leader, my Lord. And I want to follow his ways. Because I believe that the teachings of Jesus are the teachings that will lead me on the path that I really want to be on. And I believe that Jesus will change my life for the good and my eternity for the good. And I want to receive him right now in this place. If that's you, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, would you just raise your hand real, real high and let me see it. I see your hand straight back there in the back, and I see your hand right over there, and I see your hand right up here, and I see your hand right up here, and I'm looking around. Anybody else? I want to become a follower of Jesus. I want to be his disciple. I see your hand right there. Thank you so much. I believe that Jesus represents wisdom and strength. I believe He's the Son of God. I believe He will lead me the right way. I want to be His disciple. I know I'm not going to be perfect. I know I'm going to make mistakes. But I want to be His disciple and I want to grow. Anybody else, before we pray this prayer, you just lift your hand and you, you join this half a dozen or so. You just raise your hand. I see it, yeah. Just pray right in your heart, right in your mind, right where you're at. Jesus, I need you in my life. And there's so much I don't understand yet. There's so much about the Bible I've not even read and parts of it I've read and I don't even understand that yet. But you will teach me. You will lead me. You will give me wisdom in my life. You'll show me what I need to do. You will make me strong. I want to be your disciple. I know I've sinned. I know you could turn me away, but you will not because you died on the cross for me. And I invite you into my life right now. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. I want to be your disciple. I want to follow you. I believe your way is right. And if you'll give me the strength, and I know you will, I will follow you for the rest of my days. And I thank you for it. Thank you for receiving me. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, can we give him a big hand clap and celebrate this moment? God, we bless you. Thank you. We really do want to be your disciple and follow you. Hey, I hope you have an awesome week. See you right back here next Sunday. I love you. Thank you for being so attentive. Obey, obey the teachings of Jesus.